No, not you. You are fake news. Today we hear a lot about fake news. Fake news erodes journalistic integrity and undermines the important role that truth plays in a free society. However, a false Christ is more damaging than fake news. A false Christ can lead people away from the truth faster than a CNN news cycle, for a longer period of time, and with eternal consequences. In Colossians, Paul presents Jesus Christ as the image of the invisible God, the creator and sustainer of all things, the head of his body, the church, the fullness of God in bodily form, and the one who reconciles all things to himself in heaven and on earth. That's the real Jesus, who is greater than fake news or a false Christ. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. may think you know who you are, but do you know who you are in Christ? Hello, I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for being here for this Tuesday edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. Well, before anyone can know who they are in Christ, they first need to know the truth about who Jesus is. Today, Ron takes us to the book of Colossians to identify the truth about Jesus and the truth about who we are as a result. Stay with us now as Ron continues his teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, or visit somethinggoodradio.org to hear any of Ron's messages on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. From Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia, where he serves as lead pastor, here's Ron in part two of his Something Good Radio message, Colossians, Jesus is greater than. Then Paul pivots uh, to a list of other social sins, including anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth, lying. A lot about what comes out of our mouths there. The Bible has a lot to say about what we say, friends. And he says these are things we need to put to death as well. Wearsby says these sins belong to the old life and have no place in our new life in Christ. So the believer puts off uh, the vices of the flesh negatively, but we must simultaneously put on and do it positively, the virtues of the Spirit. Uh, Chapter 3 and verse 12, Paul says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Notice how he layers in some of our identity in Christ. You are God's chosen ones. You are holy. You are beloved. Put on then, listen to this, compassionate hearts, kindness, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, oh, let's pause right there. (laughs) You at odds with anybody today? Your spouse? Your neighbor, your friend, another church member? He says, and if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Uh, These are the implications of who is Christ? Get a clear picture of him. Uh, Lay aside the false and fake news about him. And then understand who you are in Christ. And in light of that, now now we're getting really practical. This impacts relationships. 
Paul does use words that speak of our identity in Christ, words like chosen and holy and loved and forgiven. He says, putting on the virtues of the Spirit yields peace in our hearts and gratitude, chapter 3 and verse 15. He tells us to renew our minds with the Word of God. Are you doing that? You're doing that right now, hearing the teaching of God's Word, but you know, like a meal, you, you got to do that every day. Read, read His Word and study His Word and memorize it, meditate upon it. Renew your mind with the Word of God. And then he encourages us, uh, latter part of chapter 3 there, to get connected in biblical community. I think he's talking about the church. If you want to thrive in Christ, uh, be deeply connected to a local church, he says, where there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. In other words, in a healthy church, there are no partisan groups. The devil wants to divide. He wants to divide us into partisan groups and pit us against one another. Paul says, this, this community of faith, there, there, there aren't these groups. Christ is all and in all. The United Church of Christ is the best incubator of spiritual transformation for followers of Jesus Christ. And we cannot live out who we are in Christ apart from a deep, deep connection to a local church. Don't tell me, oh, I can be a Christian, and I really don't need the church all that much. Or I can flutter in once in a while or, you know, live stream on my way to the beach and feel like I'm connected. No, you can't. I'm just telling you, you can't. The, the idea here is to be deeply connected to a community of believers in a local church, not a perfect church, but a healthy one. And deeply committed means I'm here. I'm here and, and I'm plugged in and I'm serving, I'm using my spiritual gifts. All, all of that comes in to play. Christ who is our life also impacts three spheres of human relationships. Now we're in uh, the latter part of chapter three. Paul, Paul takes his uh, soaring theology and uh, of Christ and Christ in you and who you are in Christ. And now he's getting real practical about the relationship between husbands and wives, parents and children, slaves and masters, or we might say in our context, uh, employees and employers. We, we have marriage, the home, the workplace. It doesn't get any more practical than that. Paul says it is fitting in the Lord for wives to respect their husbands and for husbands to show their wives love and kindness. <laughs> Again, it doesn't get any more practical than that. Just go back to the basics there. Because the home is the first place where children learn to respect divine authority, Paul instructs children to obey their parents. How radical does that sound? And fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Don't sow seeds of anger in your kids. I think from that we could say, Paul is saying, don't have a child-centered home. Parents, listen to me. Child-centered home doesn't work. A Christ-centered home where the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church and loves her and serves her as Christ did the church. And children who are under the divine authority of parents. Parents, take control of your, of your home. 
in a godly, godly way. Kids, the kids are not in charge. A child-centered home is a train wreck waiting to happen. Now, parents, fathers especially, don't exercise that divine authority by train wrecking your family. Don't provoke your kids to anger. Okay, I, I love the instruction here. And it works. And it's the practical overflow of who is Christ, the real Jesus. Who are we in Christ? What are the practical implications of this? And then considering who Jesus Christ is, the apostle writes to bondservants, to slaves in their context. No, he's not advocating slavery, but he's just offering some practical advice in the real circumstances they happen to be in. For us employees to employers, he says, whatever you do, work heartily. Give it your all. As for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, you are serving the Lord Christ. What a difference it makes when you go to work on Monday, that you, 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 you have that mindset. I, I'm working for the Lord Christ. Christians should never be considered the laziest person or persons in the office. Don't ever let that happen. You're, you're, you're to work heartily, even as you're looking for another job. Give it your all. Cross the finish line well and with all your strength. All right, chapter 4, Christ in everyday life is the theme here. And as much as Paul takes the Colossians and us to a higher place of understanding about the person and the nature of Jesus Christ, he never loses sight of the practical expressions of faith in everyday life. And he begins uh, uh, chapter 4 by talking about prayer and reminding Christians to, to be alert in prayer and reminding us that prayer must also bathe and empower the proclamation of the gospel. There in chapter four and verse two, he says, continue steadfastly in prayer. Be watchful in it with thanksgiving. How's your prayer life, by the way? I know, move on, that's a little bit convicting. At the same time, he says, pray also for us. Now Paul, the great intercessor, uh, the one who began the letter praying for others, praying for the Colossians, now he's asking for them to pray for him. He says, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. You know, when you ask somebody to pray for them, give them some specifics when you ask them to pray for you. Paul continues by encouraging the Colossians to live wisely in word and in deed. Wearsby says, in light of this, the Christians walk and talk must be in harmony with each, with each other. Just think about the distance we've traveled from chapter one. He is the image of the invisible God, the soaring rhetoric and theology, down to make sure your walk and your talk aligned because of who you are in Christ and because of who Christ is. We'll return to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones in just a moment. If you want to listen to any of Ron's messages on demand, please visit somethinggoodradio.org. And while you're there, be sure to access the Something Good digital library. That's where you'll find more than 500 hours of video and audio teaching from Dr. Ron Jones. Search the streaming library by scripture or topic to find answers to your Bible questions and grow in your Christian faith. Again, that's our Something Good digital library. Find it at somethinggoodradio.org. 
Something Good Radio and free resources like the Something Good Digital Library only exist through the faithful prayer and financial support of listeners like you. And today, as you give, we'll give you access to an ebook that's written by Dr. Ron Jones that goes along with the seventh road trip in his current series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. This digital resource covers each of the 13 Pauline epistles. Donate online at somethinggoodradio.org. Again, that's somethinggoodradio.org, or you can mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. Ron joins me in the studio after today's message, so stay with us. But first, let's tune in to the second half of today's Something Good Radio message, Colossians, Jesus is greater than. And then I love the way Paul uh, sort of lands the plane here. In chapter 4, verses uh, 5 through 18, he does so with some of the most personable and hospitable words found anywhere in his epistles. He mentions the names of 11 people with whom he had a personal and ministry relationship. Tychicus, Onesimus, um, Aristarchus, Mark, Barnabas, Justus, Epaphras, the, the founder of the church by tradition, Luke, Demas, a lady named Nympha, and Archippus. And the idea is that each one of these people has a story to tell that relates to, I'll say, the Jesus is greater than proposition that Paul is arguing throughout his letter. For example, from this, I get the idea that Jesus is greater than ethnic tensions. Why? Because if you dig a little bit deeper, there are Jews and Gentiles in this list. And nobody was at odds more than the Jews and the Gentiles, but the gospel united them. Isn't that beautiful? So Jesus is greater than ethnic tensions. He's greater than the failures of your past. Just ask Onesimus. When we get to Philemon, we'll meet this runaway slave named Onesimus, who later came to faith in Christ. And, and, and ask Mark as well. Mark is in the list. Yeah, the, the guy who wrote the gospel according to Mark. But before that, he went on a missionary journey with uh, Paul and Barnabas, and he abandoned them. He left right in the middle of the journey. What a failure in ministry it was. And Paul, Paul had nothing to do with Mark for a long time. And then Mark uh, kind of rehabilitated himself and came back into Paul's good graces. Jesus is greater than the pleasures of this world. He mentions a guy named Demas. We learn about Demas elsewhere in Paul's second letter to Timothy. We'll get there a little bit later on the ultimate road trip through the Bible. In that letter to Timothy, Paul says, Demas, having loved this present world, has forsaken us. Demas, abandoned ship went back to the world that he loved and the flesh that he loved to indulge. And we could also say that uh, Paul's personal testimony reminds us that Jesus is greater than the sufferings we experience as followers of Jesus because Paul suffered a lot for the cause of Christ. Suffered a lot. There was nothing fake about the good news that that Paul proclaimed about Jesus Christ. Nothing fake about it. And in response to the fake news and the heresy and the false Christ that had been presented by uh, these so-called teachers in Colossae, 
Well, when they attacked Paul's Savior and his friend in a way that threatened the viability of the church, Paul responded rhetorically, he responded theologically, he responded practically. And he reminds us that a clear view of Jesus Christ is always the right response to fake news about Jesus, to heresy. Always respond with clear and compelling orthodoxy that rises up from the pages of Scripture. And if anybody in Colossae ever doubted Paul's apostolic authority or if they ever doubted his uh, ministry authenticity, he wraps it up with three words. He says, remember my chains. Now, how do you want people to remember you? Well, you know, I started this company and, and I went to this school and uh, married this person, Rosemary. You know, Paul didn't say any of that. He didn't say, you know, remember all the churches I planted or remember, you know, the, the great men that I studied under. Remember my Hebrew lineage. I was a, of the tribe of Benjamin. And, all, and he says, remember my chains. Uh, he took glory in suffering for Christ. Several years ago when Catherine and I were celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary, we were in Italy and we spent some time in Rome and we had a, a guide for a half day and we were going, of course, to uh, St. Peter's Basilica there at the Vatican and we got to see all of that and various other places in Rome. But my wife had done a little bit more research and she got up that morning and said, I, I, I want to visit St. Paul's Basilica as well. And the guide said, well, you know, it's way, way on that side of the city and it's, you know, we're on a time schedule and now we wanted to visit that one. And we also wanted to visit a place called Trefontaine, which is even further out. Trefontaine is the place where Paul was beheaded. And it's a beautiful, quiet abbey today where you can reflect upon that. You come in a little bit closer to the city and there's St. Paul's Basilica. There are actually four basilicas in Rome St. Peter's at the Vatican being the most famous, but St. Paul's is just as massive, just as ornate, just as beautiful, but nobody's there. We had the place to ourselves, us and our guide, and a few other people walking around. You walk in and you head toward the altar, and beneath the altar is Paul's grave. And just above the altar is a box, oh, about two feet wide, maybe a a foot tall, it's lit up on the inside. And there's a hook here and a hook here and a chain hanging. And the words, remember my chains. That's what the Apostle Paul wanted the Colossians to remember. That Jesus is greater than anything you might suffer in this world. He's greater than any thing you might lose in this world. Now, if you have a less than view of Jesus, you won't come to that conclusion. But Paul never let the fake news about Christ diminish the vividness of the picture he had of the exalted Christ, who is the fullness of God in bodily form and the image of the invisible God and I'm in relationship to him, and this is who I am in Christ, <laughs> remember my chains. And remember that nothing can imprison the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
not even fake news about Jesus. Not even fake news about him. Jesus is greater than, friends. Don't ever, don't ever lose that understanding, no matter what you're going through. And we as a church in any generation have the responsibility of uh, making sure that nobody captures and kidnaps our thoughts with any other thoughts than the thoughts about Jesus that are right here in the pages of Scripture and be so deeply immersed in it that even when some philosophical gobbledygook like New Age philosophy comes along, borrows the language of Orthodox Christianity and twists it just a little bit, we go, ah, no, fake news. Because you know the real news about Jesus Christ. Thanks so much for joining us for today's Something Good Radio message, Colossians, Jesus is Greater Than, and Dr. Ron Jones joins me now. Ron, I know there are many believers in Christ who sometimes struggle with self-condemnation. So let's talk a little further about our new identity in Christ and what it means to be hidden in Christ. You know, Brian, one of the things we sometimes do as Christians is focus on our own performance. Deep down, we know better but we do it anyway. If we're doing well, uh, sharing our faith and helping people and well, being kind to animals, uh, we feel good about ourselves. And therefore, in those moments, our definition of who we are is favorable. Conversely, when we're not performing well, when we're unkind to our spouse or we give in to sin and temptation, our tendency is to often feel bad about ourselves and our definition of who we are in those moments is unfavorable. So our view of ourselves, Brian, our, our definition of ourselves, our identity, uh, shifts and moves based on our behavior. And we all do this from time to time, some more than others, but, but all of us some. Here's the truth, Brian. Here's the good news. For all those who have come to faith in Jesus Christ, God defines you and he defines me according to Christ. His definition never changes, and his definition is always favorable. Because it's not rooted in our performance, it is uh, rooted in Christ's performance. And in that moment, when we come to faith in Christ, when we admit we cannot save ourselves, but that Jesus can, his righteousness is then appropriated to us so that when God looks at us, he sees Jesus. Let me say that again. When God looks at you, a believer in Christ, he sees Jesus. And when he defines you, he defines you based on who Jesus is. We don't behave our way into a healthy identity, and we don't misbehave our way into an unhealthy identity. Our identity is rock solid. It's unshakable, unloosable, uh, based on his performance and based on our belief in Jesus Christ. So, Brian, to anyone struggling with this uh, new identity in Christ, well, I encourage them to go to uh, Colossians chapter 3 and just live there for a few days. Dive into what it means to be hidden in Christ, what it means to have a brand new identity in Christ. And I can all but promise you, you won't continue to live in self-condemnation any longer. That's Dr. Ron Jones with some great final thoughts on what it means to be hidden in Christ. 
Well, Ron, we're almost out of time, but before we go, tell us what's coming up tomorrow as you continue your series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Sure thing, Brian. Let me start with a question about you, a question about me, and really about the church in general here in the 21st century. Would anyone say of us that we're turning the world upside down for Christ? I ask that question because that's what was happening in the Roman province of Thessalonica when Paul wrote this letter. Uh, They had turned from idol worship and a carnal lifestyle and, well, put their faith in Jesus Christ and were sharing their newfound faith all over town. So Paul made it a point to encourage them in that regard. But the Thessalonians also had some misunderstandings about the second coming of Christ, and Paul wanted to alleviate those concerns, which he does beautifully. And of course, there's plenty of prophetic wisdom and instruction from Thessalonians that we need to hear today. I'll dive into all of that and more next time as I continue my teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. It all begins tomorrow when Dr. Ron Jones shares his message, First Thessalonians, The Lord's Coming. Join us then for Something Good. Now for Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.